0: Welcome to the Helping Couples Heal podcast. A place for healing and hope for couples impacted by betrayal resulting from infidelity and or sex addiction. Your hosts are Marnie Breaker and Dwayne Osterland, licensed marriage and family therapists, certified sex addiction therapists, and founders of respective treatment centers in Long Beach, Los Angeles, and San Diego, California. Marnie and Duane co-created Helping Couples Heal, a comprehensive program for couples recovering from betrayal trauma Including an in person two day workshop, an online aftercare program, and this podcast series is the first component of the program. Thank you for listening. Marnie and Dwayne are committed to helping you recover from the devastating impact of betrayal trauma and are honored to support you wherever you may be in your healing. If you've lost hope, you've come to the right place. Now, take a slow, deep breath and let's begin with the Helping Couples Heal podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Marnie. And I just wanted to give you the heads up. Before we start this episode of the Helping Couples Heal podcast, after we recorded and we went into editing mode, we realized that Dwayne's audio was off. So we had our editor work some magic, and we think that we were able to get it to a place where we could release it rather than have to toss this and rerecord, which would then prolong the time that we would put out another podcast so we hope that you will forgive the poor audio quality and we have resolved this so that we will not have this issue again and i also wanted to give you the heads up that helping couples heal is going to be facilitating our two-day couples workshop march 8th and 9th and If you are in a place in your relationship where you are hoping to heal your relationship and you are needing some foundational tools and some education and some guidance as you either start that journey or you are continuing the journey, we are here. So if you are interested in more information about the workshop, please email support at helpingcouplesheal.com or you can go to the website, helpingcouplesheal.com and get more information there. So we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Helping Couples Heal. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Helping Couples Heal podcast. This is Marnie and Dwayne, and we are happy to be here today.
2: Yeah, good to talk to everybody today.
1: So Dwayne and I were as always, discussing what topic we should bring to all of you today. And we are always wanting to meet the needs of our listeners. So when we get requests, and they're the same requests from different people, we know that these are things that are universal concerns or issues. And those are the things that we want to address so that we're talking to a wide range of people out there who have the same concerns. So, To that end, one of the things that we hear about most often that comes up pretty regularly and consistently with my clients, at least, I don't know, Dwayne, about you, is uh, grief and loss.
2: I think this topic is just universal to this process. It's going to be something you're going to go through if your relationship is dealing with betrayal.
1: And... Just to kind of kick it off, I want to distinguish between those two things because I think sometimes people use them synonymously and they're different. So loss is actually the experience of you know losing something. Grief is the natural and expected response to loss. So grief is more of an internal experience that one has in response to loss.
2: Yeah, and there's so much to lose in the relationship. I mean, it's just devastating. That's part of it. I mean, I was thinking about this as you mentioned talking about this topic, and one of the things that came to me was, you know, there's stages of this. In the beginning of the relationship, there's the shock and the overwhelm of this new information, if that's where you're at in this moment, and that just kind of engulfs everything. And then as you move through this process, you get to that loss and then that grief and it's just overwhelming and it's um, it's really, really sad.
1: And it keeps coming back, right? We look at grief, like you just said, there are stages of grief that have been identified in the psychology field. And I think most people, no matter what they're grieving, they want it to be over at a certain point. And typically, there is a natural and to the intensity of a grieving process for most people. And I'm not just talking here about betrayal trauma. You know, this could be loss of any relationship. It could be divorce. It could be death. It could be a career, um, right? A relationship with a friend, any kind of loss. But the problem or the difference with betrayal trauma is that because of the constant triggers that are out there in the world, it's difficult to sort of move out of the grief process because those triggers can bring back the loss instantaneously.
2: Yeah. And sometimes you don't even realize where those are until you experience them, until you have the moment where you realize like, oh my gosh, I lost this piece of me, Mm -hmm. or I lost this piece of the relationship, or I lost this piece of my reality. And then you know, that grief comes in and it takes time to walk through all of that.
1: It does. And I've seen scenarios many times where a partner will say to me, I really thought that I was past this. Not that I forgot about it, but I really thought that I had gotten to the end of the intensity of the pain and the grief. And I was, you know, somewhere this weekend and I saw something or I heard something and Marnie it is if it all just came right back it was all like yesterday again and then there is a sense for them again of loss like oh my god I'm losing maybe my healing right I'm losing what I thought that I had gotten that's taken me so long and so this topic of loss just when it comes to betrayal it's huge and I do want to say before we really move into it anymore, is that betrayal creates loss in every area of a partner's life, but it also creates loss for the betrayer. And I think often when we talk about grief in this process, you know, in the betrayal trauma process, I think that that gets lost a lot of times, is that the betrayer is often experiencing their losses. I will say the partner is typically way more aware of the loss And I think the betrayer, because of his or her own process, especially in the beginning around denial and being highly defended and not recognizing the massive destruction that's occurred as a result of the betrayal, I think they're not as in touch with their own losses. I think that comes a little bit later for them, but those losses are also huge.
2: I was going to add on to that, that oftentimes what I see when I'm working with clients is in the beginning, it's about survival, right? It's about just the the trauma, the how do we live our lives now? What are we going to do? And what's going to happen? And how are we going to get help? And what's the next steps? And that just engulfs everything. And then as that starts to settle a little bit and they get some structure in the relationship, that's where I see the losses come to the surface. And then later on, if the person who's done the betrayal is really doing their work, absolutely, they're going to have to deal with these losses as well. And they'll be different for the betraying partner versus the betrayed partner. And hopefully if they're doing the work, they're going to make room for each other through that process, but it takes time to get there.
1: It definitely takes time. And I think the losses are so great for the betrayed partner That the pain of that and the overwhelm for the betrayer at at a certain time, typically in more in the beginning stages, and it could even go into like that second stage of healing where they still don't have the ability to tolerate that level of pain, hearing the level of pain that was caused by their acting out. And that can leave the betrayed partner feeling very alone. And I think one of the most important things that we are able to share with all of our listeners is that... We believe very strongly that until a couple is able to grieve losses together, it's pretty much impossible to create a shared vision of the future because when you don't agree on what's happened then it's gonna be very difficult to agree on what is going to happen and what the future will look like. But the grieving process is going to take time. And typically a couple doesn't come together in the aftermath of betrayal and immediately start that process together. There really needs to be this individual grieving process that each goes through.
2: There has to be a sense of safety in order for us to really embrace loss and grief. And if the relationship isn't safe enough, then that process to do that together is really, really difficult. I was thinking of some of the times when people feel grief. One of the examples was, um, you know, someone goes to the beach and, you know, they used to go with their partner to the beach. They used to enjoy that process together. And now they go to the beach and they're triggered and they're overwhelmed, right? Right. And so they deal with that. Then maybe as they're doing their work, they go back to the beach again. And maybe the trigger isn't as strong, but this is where they then realize the loss of this when their nervous system is a little bit calmer and they can sit with that space. And that's a lot of times where I see partners, you know, on both sides of this start to experience that loss in a deep way. It's like they realize like, oh my gosh, this has changed for me. It's not the same anymore. This idea of what we had is not what we thought.
1: I mean, the beach is one example because you're right, Dwayne, these things happen all the time and especially in the early stages when the nervous system is so stimulated, overactive and hypervigilant. A betrayed partner can go to the beach and have this sort of assault to his or her nervous system get through that and go home and sit down to watch a movie. And then a scene comes on that's triggering. And then right there again, the nervous system gets assaulted. And so for a betrayed partner, his or her brain has changed after betrayal, right? His or her nervous system and brain has changed. And the world as he or she knew it is no longer the same. And that's really important for the betrayer to acknowledge Because there's often a very distinct reality for the one who's done the betraying and the one who's been betrayed. And when the betrayer often gets into recovery and is going through a healing process, they are able to say, it hasn't all been lost. There was so much that was real. My love was real. All of these experiences we had, they were all real. And they're not looking at as nothing is the same right? They don't want to believe that. There's a real resistance to believing that. But for the partner, it really is experienced as nothing is the same. So to this end, I want to go back to your beach example. In that first experience where the, the couple goes to the beach and the partner has a really strong reaction, right? Her nervous system goes offline and it's a huge trigger. And maybe even he or she says, I have to leave. Like we can't stay here. It's that bad. And then maybe over time, they come back to the beach, they come back to the beach, and each time it gets a little bit easier. And maybe the partner gets to a point that one time they go to the beach and he or she does not say to her partner, I'm triggered, or this is hard, or this is bringing up difficult feelings. And the betrayer then thinks or assumes that there's no more triggers and that's over. And for the partner... There's a real desire, at least for many partners, I should say. I'm not speaking for everybody, but there's a desire for the one that caused the betrayal to still acknowledge and say, how are you doing? I imagine this might still be hard for you, right? I think that also partners are often worried about showing their partner that they've healed in some way because they're scared then that that person's going to go back to thinking everything's fine and not recognize that for the partner They are continuing to live with the loss and the pain of the betrayal, even when it's not so acute, right? Where the trauma is not there all the time.
2: Yes, absolutely. This takes time and it's a lot slower than the healing in the beginning. When you're getting all this new information and you're like, oh, this makes sense. I understand this and I understand that. You're growing and growing and, and you feel like you're moving forward. When you get to grief and loss, yeah, that definitely takes more time it's a slower process and i think it's also a lot about attunement as well when partners are starting to work together and make that safe space for each other they're learning to attune to each other so they can be there through that brief process and deal with all of the different feelings that come up from that and it's difficult because the person who's done the betrayal is going to have to walk through their shame and their guilt Of this expressed loss and grief. And that's going to be challenging. And, you know, the partner has to feel safe to express it. And, and is definitely a process of growth. And I was thinking too, as we were talking about this, you know, we're talking about the beach, you know, that's kind of an external loss. There's also internal losses, like the loss of, you know, I can't trust myself anymore. I can't trust my intuition anymore. Because here I was with this person who, I thought was this and now they're that. And how do I deal with that? So it's like internal losses, external losses. There's just a lot of loss and grief.
1: And something that I'm thinking, Dwayne, as you're talking is there is this disconnect between the partner's experience of loss and the betrayer's experience of loss. The partner is experiencing all of these losses because of the betrayer's actions. And so the betrayer here does need to be there to hear the partner's loss and to help and assist with the grieving process. Now as we said earlier the betrayer has a lot of loss too and is likely experiencing a lot of pain due to their own grief. But the partner at least in you know the early stages and it can go into later stages is not going to be able to tolerate hearing The losses from the one who's caused all of this. And their nervous system at that point is likely not able to tolerate it because, you know, to them, you caused this, you did this. And your loss is pale in comparison to mine. But if we go deeper and we look at it from a psychological perspective, it's very difficult to compare loss and grief. So all of this to say that I think for a big period of time, the one that caused the betrayal needs to grieve outside of the relationship with their own support system. That's why one of the reasons we say for betrayers, you you must get into a group. You do have to grieve, you know, for everybody involved in this. If you do not name and acknowledge your losses, then you can't grieve. And if you don't grieve, you can't move forward and you can't clearly see the future and approach it in a hopeful way, right? With joy and positive anticipation and all of that. So Everyone has to grieve. However, the betrayed partner is going to need his or her partner to be a part of that. Whereas, you know, for a long time, the betrayer does need to understand that they're not going to get the support that they need and the empathy. Occasionally, it does happen, and I've seen that, where the betrayed partner has this well of tolerance for the one who betrayed to be able to share their own grief and pain. That's not the most common thing that I see. I
2: would agree with that. I think that's why it's very important for everybody in the relationship to have some individual support through this process because, you know, the partner who's betrayed may have difficulty knowing how to share or what to share. The person who's done the betrayal, how do I show up? How do I do that? But I agree what I see in my practice when I'm working with these clients over time. And with safety in the relationship, they begin to share that grief together and they really move through it. But that's down the road. And that, once again, takes some real safety to be able to be that vulnerable to talk about grief and loss together and recognizing how the other handles that grief and that loss and being there for each other. But with that, that really makes the relationship Grow and meaningful.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And sadly, what often happens with this whole process, Dwayne, and I know we see it over and over and over again, is that the betrayed partner and the one who's done the betraying are really on two different sort of timelines. The betrayed partner really needs a lot of time to heal. And the one who's done the betrayal, especially when they get into good recovery and they're sort of doing all the work and taking all the steps and really making big changes and experiencing a lot of growth. They want to move this process forward at a faster rate than the partner who is in more of a trauma state and whose life has been upended in a way where they were not anticipating it. They had no idea that there was this double life and then they find out. And it takes a long time. So that difference also in the timeline, right, is it can create problems because the betrayed partner is like, stop pushing me to move on. I'm not just okay because you now have sobriety or you're doing well now and you're going to all your meetings and all of that. I feel like my world has blown up. And this is a really difficult thing because you're dealing with two different realities often. Each person has their own reality. And then a different expectation of the time it's going to take to heal. And grief, in my opinion, does not have a timetable. I know that there are some people that have identified stages of grief and they say, okay, you'll be in this stage for six months and then you'll move into this stage and you'll be there for you know 4.5 months and then you'll go into this stage. I'm a big believer that there's no timeline. There are people that can stay in one stage of grief for a year and somebody else might within a few months move into a different stage of grief.
2: Yeah, grief shows up when we least expect it and even years later sometimes grief can pop in and so when i'm working with clients one of the things that i talk about is making friends with grief welcoming grief in because if we can do that we can learn what grief is giving us it has a message for us and i think grief is also about meaning in our life if we look at grief and we look at our losses we can also see what's important to us. We can begin to start to define for ourselves where we want our life to be through grief. So even though this is hard and painful and it's difficult, if you slowly can make friends with your grief, then you can get the value out of that loss and make meaning out of it and start to define your life.
1: Absolutely. I hear in what you're saying that in order to grieve deeply, there has to have been love there in some capacity. And even when someone's leaving a relationship for whatever the reason is, typically they're leaving a relationship where there was love and there's going to be grief, right? Regardless of whose choice it is when something ends. So you're right. Grief sort of defines and illustrates love and the loss of One's experience of love, you know, from attachment theory, I think it's probably one of the greatest pains that somebody can experience.
2: It's so hard. And I don't think we can understate that process, but I also want to say on the other side of that, I want to give people hope too, because when we're engulfed in grief and loss, it can feel hopeless. It can feel like there's no pathway out of this. And I want to say that there is, as you walk through it together, But i think part of that process is also about acceptance of the loss acceptance of the grief you know part of this process is acceptance of the loss so that you can grieve and you can experience the grief and make friends with that grief and learn from it and grow from it and when i work with couples that are at this phase of their relationship repair I see that deep connection that comes from that. But I also want to let people know you can't rush this process either. It has to take its own time and its own pace. And everybody's a little bit different. Like we were talking about earlier, one person is over here and the other person is over here. And eventually they can come together through that when there's enough safety in the relationship and they, can trust each other and not to do this work.
1: Yeah, that safety is paramount here. If the partner, well, I guess if either partner doesn't feel safe, then it's not going to be safe to take on the process of grieving because grieving is such a fragile, delicate experience. And I mean, I can speak for myself, if I don't feel safe with another person, I would never allow myself to be vulnerable enough to go through some kind of a grieving process. That's the last thing I would do with somebody I don't feel safe with. So that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Yeah. And I think for everybody out there listening, it's important to remember that there's stages in this process of healing betrayal trauma. I want to make sure that people understand that in the beginning, it's very different than maybe a year later or two years later, if everybody's doing the work and to, Allow yourselves to go through that process. And, you know, it always breaks my heart to say this. I don't like saying this, but it's the truth. And what I've experienced is that this is a three to five year process. And I've always, even as a helping professional, wanted to speed that process up as fast as I can because I don't like seeing people in pain and hurting. Me too. But what I've found is that that's the time it takes. And a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I can't survive three to five years. There's no way I can do this. And I, what I want to say is, you know, the first year is the hardest, but it does get better as you're going through this process. But when we're talking about that deep healing around grief and loss, that's definitely later phases of recovery from betrayal trauma.
1: And you just sparked in me the, this realization again, that when you said, you know, usually after the first year, it gets better. I want to acknowledge all those people who've experienced treatment induced trauma and they've come in to get better. And that year turns into several years because they're actually not getting the help that they need and they're not healing. So then, let's say four years in, they find the quote unquote right therapist or right professionals to help them. And now they're dealing with the loss of those four years that they spent, right, with people that either didn't help or sometimes even unintentionally made it worse. So I think that that's important to acknowledge.
2: Yes, I think that's a very good point.
1: I also want to come back to this idea that in order to grieve, we have to acknowledge and name the losses. And so to that end, I want us, Dwayne, to share some of the losses that we hear over and over again, right? There's some universal losses that we hear from betrayed partners, from those who've betrayed, and I want to name them because- It's important that you're able to name them. And sometimes we don't even recognize until we hear it that we're grieving something or that we've experienced a loss. So let's share some of these things. As an example, um, losing the relationships to other people, certainly the relationship to oneself, the loss of dreams, the loss of a vision of the future, um, the loss of external support, like the people I once trusted, especially my partner, I can't trust anymore. And often a betrayed partner is holding the secret because of all of that shame that you know we've talked about in other episodes. So there's this feeling of, I can't go and tell my normal support people, right? I, I don't want them to know. So I've lost my support.
2: And I think what we were talking about earlier, like the loss of, Intuition, the loss of spaces or places that were meaningful to you, uh, memories that were meaningful to you, you know, the memory of our honeymoon or the memory of this one event that I thought was really special. And to find out that, wait a minute, it's not what I thought it was.
1: Yeah. And thinking back to even a wedding day and what that day represented. So for many partners, they don't want to wear their wedding ring. And that wedding ring symbolized something that was so meaningful and so beautiful for them. So what a loss to not even feel that they can wear a wedding ring because it doesn't symbolize what they thought it symbolized.
2: A lot of people, you know, they feel like they've been betrayed by the world, betrayed by God, not just their partner, but this whole situation becomes a loss of All their belief systems.
1: Yeah, and the loss of touch, the loss of intimacy, um, the loss of how I viewed the world. The oh, a big one I hear the loss of the idea that fairy tales exist and that I had one.
2: It's just um, it's so devastating when we start to talk about it. So 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 sad.
1: Right, it's overwhelming because there are so many. I mean, there's often the loss of feeling valued by their partner, the loss of their best friend or that safety net that we refer to when we talk about attachment. Another big one that doesn't get talked about a lot is for a lot of partners, they feel like there's a loss of consent, right? That if they had known the truth about what was going on, they might've made a different decision. So they've lost the ability to give their true informed consent.
2: And I think as each person moves through this process, they're gonna find ones unique to them. it's going to be a process to walk through that.
1: But like you said, I think grief does offer the opportunity for tremendous growth. But when we're in it, we're not going to be able to look at it as we're getting gifts through this. Before we wrap up, I actually want to mention a few more losses because doing this, this actual naming, I think can be number one, very validating for the betrayed partner, but also hopefully in a way that's not shaming the betrayer can hear some of these and recognize maybe what they have heard from their betrayed partner or even contextualize what they have seen, right? Like they might be able to hear some of this and then recognize, oh my God, yeah, that's what my partner has experienced. So the loss of parenting in the same way that you parented before, because while the one who's done the betraying often believes and says, well, what I did, my double life wasn't about my ability to parent. I'm a good parent still but to the partner everything has been impacted by the betrayal it's like if i can't trust you in this area i certainly don't believe i can trust you in this area and with our kids so the experience of parenting together with full trust that's often lost and you know the loss of years of our lives the loss of years spent in the therapy process and all of the healing for many people the loss of mental and emotional stability and that can really be for both partners in the relationship and you know, like you said, Dwayne, the loss of memories, I mean, for many people, there's a loss of how they viewed sexuality as part of their life, right? Things that they might've enjoyed before they're no longer able to enjoy. You know, they are looking at sex in a different way now. They look at sex maybe from a lens of ugliness as opposed to something that is beautiful. Many partners say that they recoil with touch. They don't they they want to be sexual, they want to have intimacy. And on this end also the betrayer sometimes has a huge sort of annihilation of their relationship to sexuality and what sex meant and now they are scared of sex. And you know there's so many issues around the loss when it comes to sex and intimacy.
2: And as we say all this, I also want to leave people with hope that there is a way to move through this. Getting good support that understands this process can help you move through the losses and the grief. Um, There is a way out. And working couples, I've seen them get to the other side of this. And I've seen relationships that have a depth to them that even before all of this happened, they never had that. And so, even though it's painful and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, there is a way through it and there is meaning and depth at the other side of that. And I guess that's the, I guess that's about resilience and going through that process. And I also want to say whether the relationship stays together or doesn't stay together, we can move through this process.
1: Just to throw this out there, we do 100% believe the couples can heal. And the reason we believe that is because we see it. Dwayne and I would not do what we do if we didn't see this healing, but the reality is that there are lots of relationships that aren't going to heal together. And in those situations, the betrayed partner likely will not have the support of the one who's betrayed to help them with their grief, but they can still heal in their own experience of grief. They do not need the person who's betrayed necessarily to grieve with them if they're not going to be in the relationship. But if you're going to stay in the relationship and be together and, again, look towards the future, then that person, the betrayer, does need to play a role in helping their partner process the grief. So everyone can heal, but it will look different based on where you are in this process. So the takeaway for today, you guys, is there are a lot of losses to grieve and When you actually name them and when you acknowledge them, that's when you can grieve. And when you can grieve, you can move through it and then look towards the future. So there's a lot of hope, but it's a process and it's a painful process. And it's one that um, does require willingness and some resilience and certainly a great support network. So if you do not have a really amazing support network, we encourage you to build that for yourself because it takes a village to get through all of this. And um, I'll just leave you with this one little homework assignment. If it fits for you, I would encourage you to sit down and make a list of your losses, right? Even if you don't do anything with it yet. I mean, you might want to bring it into your own therapist or coach. You might want to talk about it with your partner, but you don't have to. Just sit down and make the list of your losses. Because again, giving them attention, saying, I see you, I know you're there, that acknowledgement allows. The grief process to start, and when you're in the grief process, you are moving. It might feel like it's slow as molasses. It might feel painful, and you're stuck in the muck. But you're in the muck, right? You're not still on the on the on the land, looking across the muck and saying, "Oh God, how am I going to get over there?" Once you're in the water, it might be mucky and dirty and ugh, all of that, but you're in it, and you're going through, and eventually, you're going to get to the other side. Well. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Helping Couples Heal. We wish you all peace and gentleness with yourself, and we look forward to coming back soon and talking to you about some other topics that hopefully will be helpful in your own healing. Thank you
2: all for listening.
1: All right, we'll see you soon. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, where your healing is the number one priority. If you'd like additional resources about betrayal trauma or to learn more about the workshop, please visit helpingcouplesheal.com. If you're finding the podcast helpful, please support Marnie and Dwayne in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast with someone you care about. Once again, thank you for listening. We're grateful for your trust and look forward to continuing to support you on your journey of healing.